Hello, and welcome to On the Right Track podcast. On the Right Track is a podcast by two South Asian debut authors, Emily Varga and Sara M. Rana, that addresses the little-known secrets of publishing, marketing, and behind the scenes of traditional publishing. We interview guests who are in different stages, jobs, or careers in the traditional publishing industry in order to provide our listeners with an insider's look. Today, we have Eamon from Eamon's Books to chat with us, and we are so excited. Eamon is also known as Eamon's Books on TikTok and Instagram, is a college student from Chicago, Illinois. When she's not studying, she's usually reading and raving about romance and fantasy books on the internet. Welcome, Eamon. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited. (laughs) It's also great to have someone who's a student as well. I'm Mm -hmm. also in college, so it's nice to see someone who's also studying and like doing that book grind and hustle. Mm -hmm. It is a hustle. You guys amaze me because like when you're in the middle of exams and stuff, like things are crazy. Like I remember those days, you can't do anything. So I'm impressed with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So your TikTok is wildly popular and I can see why because your videos are hilarious and your Instagram as well. Can you give us a brief kind of snapshot of how you got where you are today? Yeah, I started social media, I guess, three years ago due to like quarantine when the pandemic started and everything. I think I was a sophomore in college. Yeah. Then I discovered book talk through TikTok, obviously, because of quarantine boredom. And I took recommendations like left and right. I didn't start posting until August of 2020. And I never had any set goal in mind or anything like that. I just posted random videos here and there for fun. And then as they say, like one video like went viral overnight. I'm like, oh, is it that easy to like go viral on this like TikTok app? And I don't know. I got really excited and I'm like, oh, my gosh do I go to LA or does LA come to me? Like what's going to happen? But oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just on that like high at that time. And I didn't t- start taking it seriously, I guess, until November of 2020, until I made like my TikTok account and Instagram just like fully books because before it was just me like randomly posting just like random things from different fandoms. And I didn't really see any sort of traction come back. Like I'd get like viral videos here and there but I didn't get any like following back or anything like that my like to following ratio was very off oh then I just decided to stick to books because that's what I love most most of my content is bookish humor like skitty like using sounds type of videos and I don't know I like making relatable sort of content if that makes sense and after that I just made video after video and took it more seriously I guess that's how I became where I am right now. It was literally just me posting after posting and then consistently posting after posting. Sometimes I slack here and there, of course, like anybody else. We love that. Yes. Because I think consistency is key. And I think for a lot of authors like ourselves, social media is a bit intimidating because of the constant hustle to post. And so... I want to just go back to when you were talking about that first viral video. Can you tell us what that video was about? It was book content, right? Yeah, it was like 
a duet. I can't even remember it correctly, but it was this guy that said reading is for weirdos or something like that. And then I duetted it oh. with saying like reading oh my it's, God. it's TV in your head or this or that. And then with a lot of colorful language um, <laughs> and that popped off. I remember I posted that when I was moving out of like my apartment and then I'm like unpacking stuff, loading stuff in my house and Mm -hmm. I look at my phone and I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, is it that easy to just go viral? And I tried making videos after that. I'm like, okay, well, get some fans now. And (laughs) they all like flopped. It was super random, just like this duet that I made. But clearly you needed to consolidate your content and make some kind of theme or like some kind of consistent aesthetic. So then you yeah. can re-mimic what you did before. So can you kind of describe what kind of work goes into your day-to-day book talk and your bookstagram? Because I feel like a lot of people underestimate how much work goes into it. It's definitely hard work in my opinion, but compared to like the other jobs that I've had in the past, it's easier. How it is from like, I guess, day to day is I look through my 40 page. I get inspired just from that, from other videos, whether they're mm-hmm. non-bookish or not. The kind of content I make mostly is like, you know, humorish kind of content. That is a bit more easier, in my opinion, than like dedicated videos that I'm like, I don't know about like certain books or something like recommendations and stuff. And I still make those. I still like making those too. But I record usually like in the morning and then in the afternoon because I take online classes for college at this point. And that's how like I balance it all. Like I'm worrying about like content and stuff like that in the morning. And then in the evening, I do school and everything like that. A lot of the times I record at night, like in the middle of the night, because that's where when I have the most inspiration for some reason. It's super weird. Like I wish I had a much more organized schedule that was just like super aesthetically pleasing and like inspiring, but it's really like super random. I'm like, oh, that's a good TikTok idea. I'm in the shower or something like that. And I'm like, well, let me write that down or put it in my notes. A lot of bloggers have said that to us on the podcast. We've had others on and they've kind of described something similar, even though on yeah. the outside, it looks so put together, it's so aesthetic. And then like, they're like, no, <laughs> really, we just have the most random ideas. Yeah, to me, it seems like it would be more planned, like that you're like planning, okay, I'm going to record on this day, this idea, like weeks in advance. But you're just described that you look at your For You page and you're like okay cool like I could do that video and then you do it like the next day no fully it is like that like I'm like oh this video that's funny that's cool I like this trend that's going around let me find a way to make it bookish related somehow I literally can't wait to ask you about your favorite tropes but that'll be at the end so I'm gonna see that (laughs) I was wondering when you were chatting about it because you're talking about kind of the ideas that you have and the things that you create yourself but Have you ever, because you have such a huge following and and obviously a bookish following, do you work with publishers or book clubs or any authors or organizations to market books when you're posting content? And and if you do, could you describe what that process is like? Yeah, I work with almost any bookish publisher that you can think of. I probably worked with them in the past. Damn. I know. I mean, you're so casual. You're like, anyone that you can think of, I've worked with them. LA has come to me. (laughs) Please. But no, yeah, like that whole process is at this point now, I have a manager that manages all my emails and sponsorships and stuff like that. And it's been such a help because before it was like super hectic and I didn't really know how to negotiate and this and that. 
because my not trying to sound conceited or anything like that but my platform compared to others is a little bit more bigger so i didn't know mm-hmm. how to negotiate yeah it's my- pretty legit it's pretty legit <laughs> when you go over Girl. there and you're like there's nearly one million people watching your tiktoks okay okay let's not even skirt around <laughs> it like it's millions so talking <laughs> yeah. about millions i don't know how you manage that much without some outside help my manager raven she's super nice i love her but no yeah she manages all that at this point, it's like, hey, Eamon, there's this new sponsorship or deal that's come in. How do you feel about it? She gives me the green light. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this sounds good, blah, blah, blah. I'll do it. And then she gives me the instructions. Before, it was all like me negotiating myself and just trying to figure out like what's the best way to get exactly what I want and give mm-hmm. them what they want to. And it was a very like self-learning type of process. And then when... Mm-hmm. Raven and she's from like a a talent agency reached out to me and was like we can actually do this and do that and it'll be much easier for you and it was honestly like the best thing that I could have done because balancing school and TikTok and all this and then emails and this and that and she does all the invoices the technical financial things and I'm like bless thank you so much for that at this point Raven takes care of everything and I just do what I have to do on time but before it was me doing all that there's a lot of things I should have done that I did the opposite of. Raven, she's a professional. She's been in this game for longer than I have. So. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of the agent-author relationship as well. Like, yes. I don't know where I'd be without my agent negotiating, handling the financials, the legal jargon. I think we're starting to see a lot more book talk and bookstagram people having managers. I think it's good that this is starting to happen. I want to break down kind of what you're talking about, because this is so wild to me, just the monetizing of of the the book talk world. Can you break down what it looks like when a publisher approaches you and if you decide to take that on or do you turn them down? How does how does that go? At this point like I'm only accepting sponsorships for books that align with like I would read this book, you know, I, this is like something like I genuinely like would recommend and I yes. I either work with this publisher in the past, it's like someone I trust because I talked about this with my like my book talk friends before publishers in a way would kind of like take advantage of mm. influencers by basically giving you the free book and being like, oh, that's your compensation. That's like the yes. And now you're going to do a bunch of work for us. Yeah. No, yeah. And it's like, this is like a $20 book and then I can yeah. make a video that could go viral. How is that equal? You know what I mean? So that conversation is pretty relevant and big on like, the influencer side of book talk. Mm. And stuff like, that. like taking advantage of like young people back to like how it, they re- approach me. So usually I will get approached by, for let's say Penguin Random House. And they're like, Hey, we have this upcoming book. If you're interested, we're willing to do um, a sponsor post for X amount of money. And sometimes there's like add on things like we want to boost it. So you have to send us this ad code or blah, blah, blah. If the book genuinely interests me and it, it aligns with my content because like I'm not gonna post a video about like World War Two book. Or something yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to envision that uh, right now on your TikTok, and I just can't. Well, yes, yeah, like, <laughs> suddenly historical fiction, like dark historical fiction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've done that in the past. Not gonna lie, like before oh I God. realized what I was doing, because before I was like. I have to accept everything and do everything just to, I guess, make money out of this or be taken seriously. And that was before I knew anything of anything. I remember one time I was like promoting this like random memoir that like I didn't even read, but I'm like, hey guys, (laughs) read this book. It's great. (laughs) But 
now I look back at that, that was like years ago. And I'm like, I don't know what I was doing. Now it's like they reach out to me about X, Y, and Z book and they send it to me. And then most of the time I'll read them (laughs) and then I'll make a video either describing the book or using like a sound that like incorporates the theme of the book or the genre Mm -hmm. and the certain books and stuff like that. I'll send it over to them as a draft and they approve it and they're like, okay, add this, add that, add this hashtag, make sure you tag these people and then I post it. I'm so curious now because this sounds like it's really intricate work, but it's also subjective because you can't promote a book. I mean, you technically could, but you can't do a good job of promoting a book unless you feel passionate about it or unless you feel familiar with its theme. So maybe can you talk to us about what types of books you prefer to promote on your social media, uh, ones that you want to add to your TBR and you want to promote, and how do you kind of get a feel for it? Because I feel like a lot of times you have to make those decisions before you decide to read the book as well. So true. Like, are there unique ways that publishers pitch you books to incentivize you to read them? Unique ways? Not really. It's usually like, hey, we have upcoming book release coming out. We'd like you to promote it. Like at this point, I'm only working with publishers that I've worked in the past Mm. that I've sort of established like a parasocial relationship with. All the books that they pitch towards me are something that like I would probably post about on my own anyway. Mm -hmm. It's usually like YA books, especially that I get approached by publishers these days. Um, When it comes to like romance books, that's mostly on my own because a lot of the romances these days, at least, that are popping off on TikTok are more independently published. Yes, indeed. Most of the sponsorships that I do from publishing houses are nine times out of ten YA books because that's like a very, you know, booming genre. Mm -hmm. Especially for certain books that either have my sort of representation, like... There's a brown character, South Asian character, Muslim character, this and that, blah, 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 blah. Publishers will reach out to those creators first, like ask them, hey, we'd like you to promote this book, As, especially if it's like during like a certain month or a day, like yeah. during Ramadan or like... Or Islamic Heritage Month. Exactly. They'll reach out and be like, hey, we have this like book coming out. There's Muslims in it. We'd like you to promote it. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love that you bring that up because this is something that Emily and I have discussed at length on the podcast, but everyone's, I think, answers and perspectives vary. So how do you feel about certain books by BIPOC authors being marketed based off of their ethnicity or identity? Because like, you know, myself and Emily, we're both Pakistani and we are definitely proud of that. We want Pakistani readers to find our debuts when it's out. But at the same time, we feel as if that boxes certain authors in, publishers are kind of creating this self-sabotaging cycle where they're not getting the wider community out. Marketing is quite limited. They're not reaching out to enough bookstagram or book talk people. So how do you feel about that? Sure. No, yeah. Like being Pakistani myself, I do, you know, no, yeah, we're all Pakistani. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, yeah. Like I appreciate when publishers and authors and X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 reach out because they want me to promote X, Y, and Z book. But at the same time, I would appreciate it if I'm not the only one. And because of my identity, not not because of Ayman, but because of Ayman, this Muslim, this hijabi, to promote the book because Yes, my opinion on this is reach out to those creators first that are represented within these books and like literature, but also reach out to other creators that are not represented. That's what keeps it diverse, in my opinion, because diverse means different. And if we're keeping it just within that certain culture or race or whatever that's represented, then that's not as progressive as people may think it is. Yeah, good point. 
or if it's the opposite, if it's like a book about Muslims or a book about Black people or this or that, like if that's the main representation and they're reaching out to just white people or something like that. I've seen that happen so many times. Yes. I even had one of my friends, like it was Tahara Mafi's latest book. Mm, I loved her latest book. The Persian. Yeah, I loved it too. Like Mm -hmm. This Woven Kingdom. Yeah, I loved it. She's a Muslim author herself and she's Persian. And I saw no one there was this arc box that was going around, mm-hmm. a sponsor post that was going around. And me and my friend, Faith, she's also Persian herself, were looking at every single sponsorship or arc box that people unboxed or promoted on their social media. Every single one of them were white, non-Persian. Oh, really? That's astounding. Yeah. That's so oh interesting God. to me. Because she doesn't even need like that big of a push. She's huge. Right, exactly. So they could have afforded to give to any kind of blogger honestly no, yeah, but even yeah. one or anything we like requested these books it's not like these only like non-persian non-muslim people mm-hmm. requested these books and got the arc and did the sponsorship and this and that faith even made a call out video on her tiktok account about it and was like this is super weird that like epic reads being this big company and they're so big on like you know diversity and inclusion are only sending arcs and books and sponsorships to white people and like it's fine like No hate to the white people, but like this is a book that's it represents like Persian Mm -hmm. people, but it's by a Muslim author. That's where they were lacking. Yeah, I find that so interesting because as Sarah says, we've discussed that idea that if I'm writing a Pakistani fantasy and Sarah's writing a Pakistani like contemporary, like it's almost seemed like our stories are not universal because we're put in this like special area. That's like people, if someone walks into a bookstore, they're going to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to pick up that book. I'm going to go for this one over here. But then with this woman kingdom, that makes me think that they were, I mean, maybe they just completely forgot, but it makes me think that it was almost like a deliberate choice to only go with mainstream white bloggers to try and, do that marketing push, which is interesting. We like discussed it. It was very weird to us because Epic Reads is the type of publisher that they'll send you emails telling you you will be receiving X, Y, and Z book mail. Mm-hmm. It's never random, like with other publishing houses in which like you're on a list and you may get these books, you may not. With Epic mm-hmm. Reads, it's like they'll send you an email. You you won't get surprise mail or anything like that. So it was odd to us. Like Epic Reads is so professional in a way, like quote unquote, in making sure that you know what's coming to you. And it's hard to request books from them in the first place. They pick and choose who gets certain books. It is super structured the way that they only sent this Vowen Kingdom, for example, to only like white creators. Yes. They'll let you know when books are coming in, you know? It's not random. Yeah. It's interesting because the book community, like the book reviewing community, while I'm not entirely in it, my sister is. And so I see a lot just from her. It's interesting because I think a lot of the book reviewing, especially book talk, is honestly carried by a lot of BIPOC. Like, Eamon, you're one of the biggest influencers. You are not white. You're literally Muslim Pakistani. And so I find it interesting that yourself and even your other friends get passed up for certain books, especially like, you know, you used a good example. But I've heard that story for many different kinds of books. And I, I find it interesting that, that that it happens at all. No, so true. Like, I'm obviously like very proud to be because like from an outsider looking in, I can understand like book communities or any community on the internet can seem super white and straight and this and that. But honestly, from being an insider myself, all of these communities, whether it's book talk or like film talk or this or that, whatever it is, 
BIPOC creators are holding it on their backs, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. The reason why book talk is more diverse, and I'm not saying it's like, you know, completely perfect. There's obviously a more room to improve. The reason why it is like this and like, you know, certain books are popularized and going viral and this and that is because of these BIPOC creators that have yes. done like a lot of the work, not saying that like, you know, white creator- creators haven't done anything, but majority of where that falls back on are these BIPOC slash queer creators that have to work 10 times as hard or only to get half as far. I mean, you guys did single-handedly save the backlist of so many old books, like TikTok literally made older books kind of just come back and like become bestsellers again. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's overlooked. When you were talking about structure of like these big entities like Epic Reads and applying for stuff, can you kind of explain that? No, yeah. So for like Epic Reads, it's like I said before, it's very structured and you know what's coming versus other publishers. It's like you're on the list. So now you're approved to get X, Y, and Z books. A lot of the times these days, which I appreciate this more because I get a lot of um, extra copies or like books that like, mm, it's not really my genre. I wouldn't read these. So I end up with like a lot of like PR and book mail that I can't really do anything about. Google forms that you fill out and you're like, okay, I want this book, that book. Because when they started doing that, when I started getting into the book talk community, publishers would reach out to me Hey, we'll send you our arc box or book picks of the month. Um, I used to be super excited and be like, oh my gosh, free books. Let me just request everything, anything that, that they will give me. Because I was just so excited to get free books, not gonna lie. Yeah. But at this point, it's like, no, I don't need all these books. Let me request and only check off the books that I would actually read and that are in my preferred genres. I get a lot of random PR sometimes here and there, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. I'm that type of person. I know when I find something that I really like and enjoy that I will hyper fixate on it. And that is honestly a curse. I end up spending a lot of money on like one thing. So I know if I start dwelling into the like special edition world and everything like mm-hmm. that, I will end up spending like so much money. That's me with like manga right now because I'm getting into <gasps> manga. I'm a huge manga fan. I'm a huge anime manga fan. She is. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I like I already spent so much money on like romance books and this and that. Now I found this other thing that I'm I really, really love. It also costs a lot of money. So it's like I yeah. can't have too many hobbies. I can't like too many things. <laughs> so you're worried that you can't start the special edition train because you will never stop. I won't stop. <laughs> the last thing I splurged on technically was the Shatter Me set from Fairy Loot. Oh my god, it was so beautiful. Yes, like I love that series. <laughs> and I loved that whole series, Shatter Me. I thought Tara did amazing with it. It's like the series that got me into reading. Amazing. I wanted to ask, how do you feel about authors being on TikTok and BookTok and if they need to have a presence and if it's better if they don't have a presence? I've heard both both ways. And if you think it's great that authors are on TikTok, then what would you suggest that they do on TikTok? I mean, I'm not going to like ever gatekeep TikTok and be like, oh, it's only for like readers. Obviously do whatever you want. But I have seen like authors like on TikTok in reviewer spaces and even vice versa, like reviewers and readers in author spaces. And I've talked about this on the social media before. Authors invading reader spaces is kind of like a mom hanging out with a group of teenagers. <laughs> oh my yes, God. Totally. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like nobody wants to be the weird mom. <laughs> no, yeah. I feel bad for readers, especially if they're like really young. 
And it's like, if you become more, I guess, informal with authors, then Mm. it like takes away from you reviewing the books authentically because now you're, are you Mm. reviewing the book? Are you reviewing the author and the book? And are you doing it just to please the author and this and that? And I've seen that, I've seen that even with my friends that are friends with authors and like, that's fine. Like be friends with whoever you want to be. And I see them review certain books and I'm like, are you reviewing that for her or for yourself? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) no, yeah. Like I'm never going to be like, no authors, no, no TikTok, like don't join TikTok or blah, blah, blah. But for both parties, it's like respect the space that you're in and respect each other. That means don't go into authors' comment sections and like heavily critique their books and like bash their books and this and that. That's not what they want. That's not what they need. Authors don't expect reviewers just to make content and this and that for you because mm-hmm. there are some authors like that. Yes. that I'm talking to one of my friends that is kind of like in that situation too, in which this author that they become sort of friends with is expecting X, Y, and Z content from them because of all this, all that, like, so much behind the scene things but at the end of the day like if both parties are respecting the spaces that they're in respecting each other we can all coexist peacefully authors on tiktok promoting their books in my opinion is not the same way readers and reviewers promote exactly i've talked about this before how like book talk uses tropes and such to promote books because i think that's just like the easiest way to talk about a book because you know you have your 15 second video tiktok has short videos so i feel like people are scrolling really fast and it's like if the video gets their attention in the first three seconds then they'll be interested in the video so a lot Mm -hmm. of it relies on out of context quotes or tropes that are in the book just to promote the book as it is yeah it doesn't leave room for nuance so true and then i see Mm -hmm. publishing houses and authors try to do that and it doesn't translate the same way in my opinion. Yes, it's cringe, <laughs> as as Sarah would say to me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be cringe, Emily. <laughs> books that are pop off about this all the time, being like, book talk is ruining literature with tropes and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, tropes have been a thing since the dawn of time. You will never mm. escape tropes. Tropes will always be there. Everything is a trope as, at this point. Nothing is super original. I think there's a balance. In my opinion, I don't think book talk has ruined writing. I think people are going to write the stories they want to write. But yeah. what I think it's led to is a bit of a tropification of how we talk about books, where the value of a book is more given to the tropes rather than the actual pitch of a book. And that's why you get a lot of things like false marketing. We see a lot of books now that sometimes go viral used of not being marketed authentically or not marketed accurately to what's in the book. I don't think that's an author's fault. I don't think that's a reviewer's fault at all. But I think this is the weird thing with publishing where they jump on trends and they expect authors to do things, which is marketing their book through tropes. I think tropes are fun, but I think it's hard because then you only get books that are more romance heavy being marketed in those spaces. And it pushes the books that don't have some of those easy hooks or viral content or viral tropes um, within their books. I know I can speak for my debut, which has no romance in it. It's it's a literary contemporary. It's about Islamophobia. It's about post 9-11. I don't know how I would market that on social media. Uh, And I don't know if I'm going to even try to do that on TikTok. And I think a lot of people who write books like that are kind of feeling the same way where they're like, how do we market our books in these spaces where we're expected to be in them? No, so true. Like, you're right. Like, you know, book talk as a whole is more of like heavy, like romance space than any other genre. Yes, totally. I remember in the beginning, it was more fantasy. 
but now it's just it's very more spicy book talk and everything mm-hmm. like that which yeah whatever like you know romance is a very big genre but no yeah that also leads to questions how like do these other books that are just as important how do we promote those in a space that's so heavily like they eat up the tropes and out of context quotes or like anything that really like also gives into shock value in my opinion mm-hmm. and that's where the out of context quotes also come into um is how can we get these readers to read these books because of this quote whether it's like a flowery quote or like a spicy quote or an inspirational quote or something like that all of it like dwells into like some sort of shock value mm-hmm. i saw one of my like mutuals talk about this which i heavily agree with tropes can be in everything as they are in everything every sort of media but it's like when you watch a movie and there's actors in it and you know they're acting but as you're watching the movie you, you forget that they're acting mm-hmm. i want to see that happen within books it's like i'm reading these books and i i don't see the tr- tropes being forced on me if that makes sense mm-hmm. oh i see and i feel like if authors or whatever or even publishers are writing books to fill in like like a checkbox of like x y and z tropes then that in return may lead to i guess bad writing or whatever and then book twitter going off about you know book talk ruining literature <laughs> i love the way that you just put that that's so funny but i agree <laughs> Please. It's so true, though. Like, it should be the other way around. I've seen this with in a lot of authors. It's like, I read certain books. I'm like, are they writing for book talk? Are they writing to please this community and make us in return make like all these videos and stuff like that? Because like, mm-hmm. oh, we hit the one bed trip. We hit the enemies to lovers. We hit this. Yes. We hit that, you know, <laughs> do you think that there could be room on social media to try to uniquely market other books that don't quite fit those checkboxes, but could still be fun. I don't think that books that lack romance can't ha- have fun or can't be so marketed, true. but I think it's just needing those spaces to exist. So do you see that happening? Just to interject, I do think that the whole Madeline Miller, I think that is a perfect example. I think books being emotional can totally be evoking of that. But Eamon, you're the one with expertise. So do you think that that is kind of the way to go to lean into those character-driven emotions? I agree with that because we're talking about book talk. You know, we love romance, the spice, this and that. Book talk also loves books that can make you like cry and like get emotion out of you. And I love reading those books too. Like I'll see videos of books that will like, you know, tear your heart out or like books that will make you cry uncontrollably. And people love that. I remember a long time ago when I finished the song of Achilles, I made like a reaction video and it's literally me crying. And that video did well. (laughs) So it's literally just like, crying on book talk yes i remember this trend where it was just literally videos on book talk of people crying and i was like what yeah. is happening <laughs> you know i'm reading books yeah i'll get an emotion out of me maybe i'll shed a tear here and there but then like i think i'm like oh this would be like a good tiktok i'll make it in the morning i wake up <laughs> i'll like rub my eyes or something like that to make myself cry <laughs> this is so like, funny open my eyes blow air in it like you know turn on the fan <laughs> Um, <laughs> no take your hijab and like stab it in the eyes i cry from that <laughs> we're getting like a, a real technical breakdown of how you make a tiktok <laughs> no, so no, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you this right now you guys are gonna laugh recently i'm like i need to make myself cry because i remember reading this book and it got this emotion out of me but i can't like make myself cry on command like that <laughs> there's two things i'll do <laughs> i'll get like a dropper and put like tea, like water in my eyes oh my god i'm obsessed with you right now <laughs> 
I cannot believe this is happening. I'm really exposing myself. But you know when you put sunscreen on, your <sighs> eyes kind of get all teary. No, you do not like jam sunscreen in your eyes. In your to make eyes. Your like right under my Stop. eye. Honey, I don't do that. Like, Stop. I'm I'm crying right now, like literally and from this conversation. Because like at first I was like, you know, I'm like getting water from the sink, putting it in my eye. <laughs> but like it it doesn't look like I was actually crying, it just looks like I'm wet. <laughs> But like the sun. So you mean to tell me all these fucking videos of these people crying is just sunscreen jammed in their eye? <laughs> Even sometimes, like when I'm wearing mascara or something. Yo, like that, Eamon, I'll come be- on, you're Pakistani. Just go to your mom, have her cook some salon. Yo, yeah. that kashu from that curry will make <laughs> you cry. Those onions, the spices, girl. yeah, the spices. Yeah. I just have to like. <laughs> the door put my head out and be like yeah (laughs) but no it's so true because like i'll read these books and stuff like that and i'm like oh my gosh that was so sad you know but i'm not here like tear jerking like dying on the floor but for the video i am (laughs) yo do it for the views i love thing. we're gonna market this episode as like amen books exposed but really <laughs> we're taking notes from you Eamon you've created the two monsters we're gonna market <laughs> I love that I wanted to ask when it comes to trends on TikTok um, have you noticed like specific trends on TikTok that don't really seem to go away like I know that there's when you have to make a video you have to hop on the latest trend but I feel like in book talk it's kind of unique because you see some of the same patterns sometimes and so I wanted to ask your perspective of certain trends that you see that you try to appeal to or that you've noticed or that authors try to pick up on because I feel like a lot of authors are trying to mimic the success of other viral books the trends that I'll pick up on and like I pretty much have developed into any sort of like book trend to promote X, Y, and Z book. And at this point, it's like I can name all this, every single trope in a book, but th- that to me at this point doesn't seem super authentic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like at this point, what really like sells them are like out of context quotes, Um, whether it's like something super sad or something, ooh, that's kind of spicy or this or that. That can be the selling point. Like literally just a few hours ago, I recorded something in my draft that was like, forbidden love. It's such an underrated trope and this or that or blah, blah, blah. Something like kind of like sarcastic and cheesy in the beginning. And then it's like a transition. And then it's like the out of context quote that pertains to the forbidden love trope. So it's kind of like both mixing, if that makes sense. I like doing that. I like making those type of videos. Most of my videos in itself are like humorous, relatable sort of content. But when I am talking about books that I want people to read, sometimes I'll even do like, this is pretty rare at this point, but I'll sit down and actually talk about the book and be like, this is, this book is about this. Here's what I love about it. Here's why you should read it. Like those actually like minute long videos in which I'm actually reviewing those books. Mm -hmm. Like I plan to make that for a series I just finished. But when I'm reading a book, usually like I'll tab quotes and stuff like that at this point. And I'm like, okay, I want to use that in TikTok. I want to use that in a TikTok and yada, yada, yada. Oh my God. To interject, I loved your TikTok about specifically tabbing, book tabbing. (laughs) And like how like you're like these psychopaths put the tabs out so long. You have to do it short and all this. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) You're very technical. I really like it. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're giving tip. I, I swear probably all of our listeners are like writing down like <laughs> they're like out of context quotes. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do next. <laughs> oh my gosh. But at the end of the day, I do want my videos to do well. And so I will dwell into trends. I will 
do what is necessary, but at the same time, you know, keep my peace, keep me grounded. Like even this book I just finished, Kingdom of the Feared. I'm like, oh, I have to make a quote video out of this or that, that I bookmarked. Oh my God, that book. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I loved it. (laughs) But that's kind of the whole process of it, just me dwelling to trends. And there are some trends that like, I'm like, oh, that's not for me. Mm. uh, That's not really aligned with my personality or like, oh, maybe that's a bit too extreme for me, which to each their own. But I do what works with me, what I see works well with my account, what people enjoy. Mm. I'm not going to do anything that isn't authentic to myself. Yes. No one would like in the first place. You mentioned talking to other book bloggers. um, And I just wondered how much of having like a big account on BookTok and on Instagram, you know, how much do you interact with other book talkers and book bloggers? Are you interacting with the book review community a lot and and the BIPOC book review community? Are there aspects of cliqueiness to it? At this point, most of my friends are online friends from the book community. I have more online friends than in real life friends at this point. And I love that this community gave me that, like friends from literally every point of the world, like every continent. And well, even like people in the States, at least just recently, me and my friends um, from online, we plan a book trip to join X, Y, and Z event that's happening like in Mm -hmm. April next year in Seattle. And we'll have like those yearly like meetups. Um, And I love that, that I've created like relationships through book talk and it's like we've connected through books but we also like like each other and we have other things in common i'm a very introverted person so a lot of the times it's usually people like making the first move Mm -hmm. and then i'm like oh yeah you're really cool let's hang out and and let's talk um but no yeah there's some friends that i have that i'll facetime every single day that i haven't even met in person yet amazing that explains book relationships too yeah. yeah. And writer yeah. relationships. A lot of writers like that. Like Sarah and I have only met in person once, twice. I used to, that was like recently. But we talk every single day and it's awesome. So true. And that's how, you know, like you have like a good valued like friendship. That's with me and my online friends. Growing up, I don't know if I did this by default or, or anything. It, just, it was very natural in my opinion, but I always have friend groups that are diverse and non-white <laughs> like I don't know I just like I've always had a diverse friend group no matter what yeah like, I do have white friends too I'm not saying like hate white people but um <laughs> I've always cared to friend groups that are from all different races and ethnicities mm-hmm. and I have that with book talk and I love that maybe I don't know this is like this generational trauma that makes me like cater to people that are great and they come from all different backgrounds I love that I can create and have friendships from all different points of the world and reconnect through books and we like each other. That's a lot of how authors feel, I think, with their writing friends. And even like I have a lot of friends who are book bloggers too. And I think what's really cool is what you said, how diverse the friendships are because I've learned so much from my writing crew that Mm -hmm. Emily and I both are and that's how we met each other too. Um, We were like in a pitch words group and we're all still in contact. We talk to each other like 20 times a day and it's so beautiful because I think I've learned so much just from their perspective and they're both white and they're also people of color. Right. Eamon, I just wanted to ask when you are choosing books that you're going to make a TikTok about or you're going to do a review, how do you choose which books to prioritize to read? Like, are you going by release date? Are you going by the ones that you wanted to read? Are you going by which ones have like the paid marketing? What is making the cut and when? 
Yeah. So, you know, like I said before, I'm only taking in books that I would genuinely enjoy reading because if I'm just taking in books just to promote them for the money, then when I end up reading the books, it's just going to feel like homework. And then I'm not going to actually fully be into it, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit of everything. For example, if it's like the book release is coming out soon and either I have the final copy or the arc, depending on how excited I am for the release, I'll read it at that time, if that makes sense. I got the arc to the American Roommate Experiment like in the summer. And then I read it like immediately, even though that book came out like in September because I was just excited for it. Then there's other books that are releasing And it also depends on when I get those books too, because a lot of the times I may get books like a week before release date and then not worry about it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, you got to do this like in a week? Like, holy, that's stressful. Sometimes I'll even ask other friends that like, hey, how'd you like this book? What was your favorite part? So I can make content out of it. Because at this point, I think even publishers know that like, hey, we just want you to promote this book on your page. We don't actually expect you to read it, if that makes sense. But just know enough about it to talk about it. Use some sort of trending sound. But no, yeah, like I said, it's a little bit of everything. Like if it's like a certain deadline, like I'm really bad at this because I procrastinate. I do everything at last minute. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I will read books like the night before, two days before and everything like that. Like cram it all in before I have to post about it. Even though I got the book like maybe well enough like time before, like two weeks before release date, before I even had to post about it in the first place. Sometimes I will like leave stuff to last minute. And also like it depends on how, how excited I am for each and every one of those books. Yes. No matter if I'm getting paid for it, if I'm just receiving the arc, if I'm excited to read the book, I will read it sooner. If not, mm. then I'll hold it off until I have to. Wow, that's really eye-opening. And also yes. I feel like I have to always cram in reading too, just like so I can take notes before I begin drafting. So I feel that. Yeah. We ask a lot of our guests this, but we wanted to know, have you learned any hard truths from book talking? If there's anything that you learned when you became a book talker that surprised you or that was like a hard lesson or that you feel like you regret that you didn't kind of know in advance? I will definitely say this. My experience is very different from me being Muslim, POC. On the internet, my like experience from whether it's book talk or just like being on social media, I see the difference between me and like, I guess my white peers or anyone else and their experience on social media. I remember like in the beginning, like how I said, publishers taking advantage of like reviewers um, and try to get free content out of them just because they sent X, Y, and Z book. I'll even get emails like that to this date. I'll get an email and it'll be like, hey, we'd like to send you this book. And I'll be like, okay, that's all you want, right? And then I'll get the book and then it's like a week later, like, oh, we'd like you to see posts about it. Make sure you guys tag X, Y, and Z author and publishing house and this and that. And I'm like, I never agreed to that. Mm-hmm. But before, oh, what if they like sue me or something like that if I don't like make content for this book that I, I mm-hmm. accepted? And then oh I would my just gosh. Yeah. make content like thinking like, you know, this is what I have to do. Otherwise, they'll like, you know, drop me or this or that. They won't send me books ever again. But now looking at, back at it, it wasn't that serious. At the end of the day, these are just books. But that goes into what you were saying about publishing houses or marketing teams taking advantage of young bloggers, young TikTokers, young book talkers, because they might not know, have I created a contract now by accepting, you know, this book and stuff like that. So it's interesting to say that because I think it does create that kind of relationship where it's almost like, oh, they've given me something. Do I need to give something in return? So true. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like, you don't owe anyone 
anything. I'll have um, like mutuals and stuff like that reach out to me because they know I've either done X, Y, and Z partnership or sponsorship, or they just want to ask my opinion or advice on certain things because they believe, I guess, I'm more professional. Than I don't know. Longer in the game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll ask me like, hey, is this worth it? How much do you think I should ask if it's like they're willing to compensate me and this and that? And I'm always willing to tell my friends like, oh yeah, trust them. Don't trust that. Don't do this for free. Do that. Mm-hmm. This is okay if you really want it. That's so interesting because I feel like what we don't talk enough about is the exploitation of book bloggers and reviewers, especially because most of you are very young, like you're 21, right? And a lot of others are like literally teenagers or like 18, 19, 20. I I actually hadn't thought about that. I just thought like, okay, they send the book and then those bloggers like just tag the publisher if they want or review it. But I hadn't really thought too deeply until you mentioned it about the pressure. Yeah, the power dynamics that are there too, I think would be stressful. I remember myself at like, yeah, 18, 19, my early 20s, like you don't know, you know, where, which way to step, right? So uh, yeah, I like that you are trying to be the mentor that you wish you had starting out or that you wanted yeah like I definitely appreciate that and even having my manager and seeing how she negotiates with Mm. other companies and this and that whether it be bookish related or not I'm learning from that process too and if anybody reaches out to me I'm like this is how you do it this is how it is this is what you should do this is what you should avoid yes I was that person in the beginning like I thought I had to do all this all that and maybe at the end of the day people want to whether they get compensated or not and that's on them because you know, free books. It's fun. Yeah. They may not have, I'm not going to say like big enough account or whatever, because like numbers don't matter, but like they just want the free books and will do whatever they have to do. And that's fine. Do whatever you have to do. Like I may even be like that at this point. Like I want an arc of a certain book that's coming out. They expect me to post about it. Maybe I'll do something like super cute and cheesy or blah, blah, blah. Very like, Mm -hmm. like not so much like put effort into it, if that makes sense, just to get the arc. Mm. But you know, at this point, <laughs> I it's love like, finesse. <laughs> you're so real, Eamon. <laughs> you're like, I won't put any effort into it, but I'll get that book. <laughs> I tell my manager, Raven, that like, I will only accept any PR that doesn't expect me to post about it. So you, you can say yes to anything and everything if they don't expect posting obligations. Mm. So that's good to know. That's me where I am at this point. But some people like I understand, like they want the free books, they want to be on these lists and have like these relationships with publishing houses. You had mentioned that you only work with trusted publishers. So out of curiosity, um, and you don't have to answer if it's like there's any risk or anything, but what mm-hmm. publishers do you trust that you work with? Anyone under Penguin Random House, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Penguin Teen especially, like there's some great people. I trust publishers that maybe are more established, like any, anyone that I've heard of, they're mm-hmm. all publishers that I've worked with in the past. And I'm not going to just like judge the entire publishing like house as a whole because I had an experience with one person that's like controlling the email because it might be I'm just having a, a bad experience with that person. But like the publishing house as a whole is not horrible. And I know like Simon Schuster and Penguin and HarperCollins too. I love HarperCollins. I think I've had the best experience with them, not going to lie. Oh, Sarah's specifically asking about Macmillan. <laughs> no, I'm joking, because we're both with we're both with Wednesday books, so, so we're, like, we're like, mm, we're like are they sus to do? Are they good to do business with? No, we're joking. <laughs> I think it's Alexis that is the 
person that does the mm-hmm. um, social media stuff. They send like such good PR boxes too. Um, mm, and they nice. did like shadow and bone PR box. I think they were the ones that did that when the show came out. It, it was so nice. I've had a great relationship with them. They're fun. <laughs> I like their books. I'll tell you like publishers that I have not had a great experience with like it's source books. Oh, that surprises oh. me. That's it's, shocking. It was, I'm not going to judge like the company as a whole. Because I do love this publishing company. They're actually like based in the Chicago area too. Mm. It was like the person who was running social media at the time because I've worked with them in the past and I've had great relationships through social media. But it was like, they don't do a lot of monetized content. A lot of it Mm. is like, send you book mail and this and that. We'll send you this, we'll send you that. Um, I was doing a sponsorship for this YA book, this contemporary YA book. And she sent over the contract and all I had to do was unbox the PR box on video that's all I had to do that's what we signed on and then I sent my draft for approval and she's like can we try doing a book review or something I'm like no that's not what we agreed on oh Oh, that's not okay no yeah and I'm like that's not what we agreed on and if you want me to refilm because I literally I followed directions like that that was expected of me in the first place especially because you already done it no exactly And this was before I um, had a manager on. I was literally talking to one of my friends, Celine, and she's like, you need to be compensated for refilming. And I'm like, how do I like ask him that? Because I'm I'm a very shy person. I'm like non-confrontational. Wait, you had to refilm? You refilmed it? No, yeah. And I'm like, <gasps> having oh to okay. That's exploitation right there. Exactly. But the good thing about it is like, um, I told the person that was working for Sourcebooks, like, if you want me to make a book review style video, then you have to pay me extra for remaking the content. Yeah, that's time and labor. No, exactly. And before, like, that's also another thing that like publishing houses sponsorship that I'm doing will take advantage of. They'll see the draft of the directions that I followed. Like, I'm like, okay, I did this. I did exactly what you wanted. They see it. They don't like it. They ask for something else. That is me taking time and money to refilm. You have to pay me extra for that. Uh, definitely, as a lawyer, I could say definitely you have to negotiate that. They have to pay extra for that. They're trying to sneak something else in. That's not okay. They didn't pay you for that. It's not in the contract. Yeah, that's where a lot of the exploitation comes in from. And before I would just take it and be like, okay, fine, I'll do whatever I have to do. I still want mm. them. Because like, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, they'll, they'll drop me. They won't pay me if I don't do X, Y, and Z. But at this point, I'm like, no, I'm going to do what's expected of me. And if you want something different, maybe you should have put that in the contract in the first place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for being so real with us. That was amazing. So, fun. <laughs> so to finish off our interviews, we like to do sometimes we like to do a fast round. Say whatever comes to your mind. There's no wrong answers. Sarah will tell you there's wrong answers for some of them, but there's no there's no wrong answers. Okay, okay. You ready? No, but let's go. <laughs> Favorite YA trope. Friends to lovers. Mm, friends oh, to lovers. What? Wrong answer. Sarah, you can't tell the wrong answer right on the first question. No, you don't understand, Eamon. Every time we ask that ask the question enemies to lovers or friends to lovers, I specifically say wrong answer if you say friends to lovers. <laughs> really? I think friends to lovers and why it's just so pure. It's cute. I love it. Yeah, it is pure. What? Boring. No. <laughs> I do love enemies to lovers and YA too. <laughs> I'm judging. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be mean. I, I judge hardcore. <laughs> okay, next question. No wrong answer, Sarah. Um, what is your favorite TikTok trend or sound right now? Well, I do love like out of context quote like videos and stuff like that. A lot of the sounds that I use are like music sounds or like 
oh there's this one that's like oh my gosh it's like uh, daddy's home and it's like <gasps> oh i know it's <laughs> random tiktoks it's been like been in my head because i've been like scrolling through the sound anyways that's the one that's like i haven't used it myself but that's the one that's in my head at the moment <laughs> uh which trope faded lovers or enemies to lovers enemies to lovers Ooh, nice nice which trope tending to the love interest's wounds or knife to throat tending to the love interest wounds yeah i think it's just answer yeah there's so much more conflict there i just love that actually there's a lot of conflict with knife to throat but i like the tending to the wounds i feel like you can have a lot more content out of that one trope and make it super unique yeah i love it one of them will be like oh my gosh you were so reckless and the other person will be like it's whatever it's fine as they're bandaging their wounds they're like my wounds are nothing like it's fine leave them alone and then but they're like in danger seven times in the thigh like it's fine It's even better if they got it at the expense of the other person and it has forced forced proximity. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love those. Um, Okay. Found family or a cool, unique magic system? Mm, Found family. Oh, we like that. Okay. Your least favorite trope in fantasy. Oh, this one. Especially if they're the female main character loses their powers at the end of the book. Oh, yeah, Eamon. I hate that one. I hate that too. It's like my least favorite. It's not for me. I feel that. Favorite Pakistani dish? Oh my gosh. I've come Um, at you. I've attacked you. I know. I'm sorry. I put you on the spot. Your mom's judging you. Okay, you're gonna like... A lot of people hate on me for this. They're like, it's a prison meal. Why is that your favorite meal? But it's paratha with sag. Why mm. is that a prison meal? That's amazing. How That's is my that favorite a prison breakfast. Meal? I, it's so good. My, my dad says. Or like, it's what? like. My parents broke like that up. He right? says that it's a prison yes, meal. I'm like, it's so good. Like, it's so good. Like with the butter, you don't understand. I'm like, like what prisons is he going to? <laughs> Can I go I to that? I literally <laughs> love sag in the morning with bajra roti mm. or prata. I can't have prata uh, anymore, but no, I love it. It's my favorite salad. And when my mom makes some, like she'll like freeze some in the yes, we do that too. We freeze it too. We make like a whole pot. And the, and the house smells funky, but it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. It's mustard <laughs> greens for people who don't know what it is. Yep. Oh, I love it. Now, everyone, you must go eat Pakistani food, anyone who's listening. Yes, exactly. Okay, what is a book that you recommend that you've read recently? Um, The last book I did read was Jenna McCurdy's memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died. And the last oh, time yeah. I read a memoir, as it was, was in high school. And I read that, and oh my gosh, it was so good. Like, she's such a good writer. It was very fast paced, but it was still very deep and real. And this is like obviously her real experiences and how she deals with um, yes. her depression. I've heard such good things about that book. Such good things. It, it's worth like all the hype, like all yeah. of it. It's it's so good. She's such a talented writer. I hope she writes more in the future. Book to recommend during Islamic Heritage Month. Okay, I'm not finished with it yet, but as long as the lemon tree grows. Yes, yeah. my friend wrote that. It's amazing. You're friends with the author? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just like name dropping. Oh, that's my friend. Uh, totally a lover. <laughs> no, I mean, the author community is small. Like Muslim authors will know other Muslim authors. No, so true. Or anything by Huda Fami. I love her too. But no, yeah, I love that book. I'm not finished it with it yet, but... I'm reading it right now and I'm like, okay, I have to like make sure to recommend this during like, Ramadan and stuff like that mm-hmm. when it comes around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, a really heartbreaking story, but the plot twist is amazing. 
oh my gosh no me and my muscle friends are talking about it and they're like wait until you get to this part and that and i'm like oh wait just wait i'm so scared i literally had to like drop the book i remember it was like 3 a.m and i texted her like holy crap this plot twist shook me it was so good tell her i really appreciate her and i love her i shall no yeah can't wait (laughs) okay and our last one who are some other book bloggers that you recommend listeners check out We'll put them in the show notes. Sure. The books I've loved, um, that's Pauline. Um, one of my best friends, her name is Maggie. She's a, a fictional gal. That's her username. And oh, oh my gosh, Batty Bree books or something. I love her. Like her videos and even her makeup in her videos. She's great. Kimmy books. I love her. She's one of my like great friends. Um, Celine at Moon Girl Reads underscore. Those are my people. <laughs> awesome. We're so thankful that you came to chat to us and basically tell us like all of the real honest tea because I feel like you got insanely real with us. <laughs> yeah, this is the most I've been on like a podcast. I will do this again no matter what. Well, thank you so much, Amen, for chatting with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to On The Right Track Podcast. Visit us online on Instagram at On The Right Track Podcast. Subscribe, leave a review, rate, and share with a friend wherever you listen. This show is hosted by Emily Varga and Sarah Mughal-Rana. Our editor is Abby Cerquitella. If you'd like to support us, please visit the links in our show notes to find more about how.